Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Learning with Lindo. Here's to a new week, a new topic, but still on the same mission, which is to destigmatize learning disabilities and promote an environment of learning through understanding. A huge thank you to everyone who's listened to the previous episodes, which covered an introduction into the different types of learning disabilities, dyslexia and dysphagia. If you haven't listened to those other episodes, please do. Our focus for today is dyscalculia. And hopefully at the end of this episode, you and I will both have an understanding of what dyscalculia is. So let's not waste any more time. What is dyscalculia? Dyscalculia is a math learning disability. So calculia, <laughs> a lot of people just think calculator, calculator numbers, working out numbers. So it's a math learning disability that challenges an individual's ability to learn number related concepts, to make accurate math calculations, to reason and solve problems and to perform other basic math skills. Dyscalculia is also sometimes called number dyslexia or math dyslexia. Dyscalculia complicates and affects everyday aspects of life involving mathematical and counting concepts like telling time, counting money and performing mental calculations. People with dyscalculia often struggle with key concepts like bigger versus smaller and they can have a hard time doing basic math problems and more abstract math problems. This difficulty with math happens at all levels. It can be as hard to learn addition as it is to learn algebra. Basic concepts like quantities and estimations can also be a huge challenge. In most individuals, dyscalculia can present itself as an inability to recognize numbers and the value that they have. This, that's why dyscalculia can make it hard to do everyday tasks. Cooking, grocery shopping, and getting to places on time all involve these basic math skills, and these are known as number sense. So how does dyscalculia present itself? What are the signs and the symptoms to look out for in both adults and children? People with dyscalculia can have trouble with math in different ways. The signs may also vary from person to person and they can look different at different ages. Problems with number sense may show up as early as preschool in some people and in other people the challenges may become clear as math gets more complex in primary or high school. People with dyscalculia will often have trouble showing these following symptoms. They'll have trouble grasping the meaning of quantities or concepts like biggest versus smallest. So given a math sum to work out, they would struggle with deciphering which number has greater value, but also what the actual greater than and the less sign look like visually. They'll also struggle with understanding that the numerical number is the same word as its actual word. So the number five, written five, is, is a, a number. And the word five, F-I-V-E, both mean five things. And that five in itself includes five one units. They'll also struggle with remembering facts in school, like their times table or a number order or even the relationship between numbers. 
they'll also find it very difficult to count money or make change. There's a boy that I worked with who struggled to understand money and he traveled to school using public transport, the taxis. His aunt uh, gave him taxi fare and he had to gi- and she had to give him the exact amount for his trip to and from school. And when I say exact, I mean if the taxi was 13 rand, he needed 10 rand, 2 rand and 1 rand and never in coins. Because if it was in coins, it had to be put in two tiny plastics, uh, which he would hand to the driver as soon as he got into the taxi. Now, if you know Johannesburg taxis, you'll know that some taxis require you to pay a certain amount and then you'll pay the rest when you reach a certain point. So also people pass money to each other in a taxi. A huge part of this boy's frustration came from the fact that he had a working system. He had his fare in a plastic bag and he would hand the plastic bag over to the driver. But the variables would change every day because he didn't always get a chance to sit behind the driver or close enough. And sometimes he couldn't explain himself to the people who would send his money back and tell him that he needs to pay a specific amount first and then the rest later. And even if they did, he couldn't count. He couldn't count the difference. If you told him to pay 8 rand, he would just give you the the 10 rand and not know that he should be expecting a 2 rand change. He couldn't tell them also that he can't count. So in essence, he had a system, system that was supposed to, he was supposed to use to get by, but he couldn't. Now imagine all these frustrations. People with dyscalculia will also struggle with the retention of information or remembering things. So this same boy who was about 15 would also sometimes forget where his money is and he would be convinced that he doesn't have taxi fare to go back home. So his aunt would often write a note in his homework book saying that the money is wherever it was and then I would have to remind him before the end of this the end of the school day where his money was just before he would walk to the taxis. People with uh, dyscalculia will often struggle to estimate time so they won't be able to tell you how much time it would take or an approximate time it would take for them to finish a task or to get somewhere. They'll also find it very difficult to judge speed or distance which can also affect driving skills in adults. They also find it very difficult to understand the logic behind math and patterns. And they also find it challenging to hold numbers in their head while solving problems. For example, if I asked uh, what 10 plus 4 is, the quickest way to solve the problem would be to carry on counting 4, adding to the 10. But individuals with dyscalculia will start from the number 1, count all the way up to 10, park the 10, count 1 to 4, and then add the two numbers by counting from 1 to 14 usually with the aid of counters they'll also struggle counting backwards and forwards whether in units or in groups so 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 10 9 8 7 6 5 4 3 2 1 2 4 6 8 10 10 8 6 4 2 that would take a lot of time for them to get to they'll also have a difficulty telling time on an analog clock and they'll have poor visual and spatial orientation and struggle to tell how far things are. They'll also struggle with uh, direction or 
knowing which side of their bodies is the right or the left and they also have trouble with recognizing patterns and number sequence that's a lot of things that all relate to numbers that are not specifically limited to the classroom but affects all the things that we do in a simple day-to-life tasks now that we're aware of how dyscalculia can be identified in individuals or the symptoms to look out for we're going to look at the possible causes there are two types of dyscalculia the first one is developmental dyscalculia which is a difficulty in acquiring and performing basic math skills The cause for this type of dyscalculia is unknown, but research suggests that it is uh, from brain development and genetics Um, because this disability tends to run in families. Brain development and genetics are the possible causes. The second one is acquired dyscalculia, which is sometimes called acalculia. And this is the loss of skill in mathematical skills and concepts due to a disturbance like brain injury and other cognitive impairments. So basically, it's between genetics, development, and a possible injury to the brain. So how is dyscalculia diagnosed? The only way to get a diagnosis is through an assessment. This can happen at any age, so whether you're a child or an adult. Evaluators use different tests for adults and for kids. The diagnostic evaluations for dyscalculia are typically carried out by school psychologists and neuropsychologists, though child psychiatrists and teachers may play a role in the evaluation. Adults who suspect that they may have dyscalculia may be referred to a neuropsychologist by their primary caregiver. It's also important to note that there's no single test for dyscalculia, it's not just one test. The clinician will evaluate for the disorder by reviewing your academic records and your performance in standardized tests. They will ask you about your family history and learning more about how your difficulties manifest in school, work and everyday life. The clinician may also administer diagnostic assessments that test your strengths and weaknesses in foundational mathematical skills. Dyscalculia appears under the specific learning disorder section in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, the fifth edition, which in short is called the DSM-5. This is literally the Bible for psychology students. And for a specific learning disorder diagnosis, an individual must meet these four criteria. So the first one, an individual with dyscalculia must show at least one of six of the outlined symptoms related to difficulties with learning and using academic skills. Number two, the person affected, the person's affected academic skills are must be below what is expected for the individual's age, which is which also causes trouble with school, work, or daily life. So like the boy that I spoke about earlier, he was 15 years old and in grade six. And he couldn't even remember his sitting place in class or how to spell his name. The third one is that uh, the learning difficulties must have began in school, even if the problems only became acute in adulthood. Number four, other conditions and factors are ruled out. So these include intellectual disabilities and neurological disorders, psychosocial adversity and lack of instruction. So I'm going to go through this criteria once again. 
So for you to be diagnosed with a specific learning disorder diagnosis, you must one, show at least one of the six outlined symptoms. Number two, your academic skills need to be below what is expected for your developmental age. Number three, your learning difficulties must have began in school, even if the problems became more acute in adulthood. So it must be a problem that was consistently there. And number four, which is the last one, all other conditions and factors need to be ruled out. This will must include in intellectual disability, a neurological disorder, psychosocial social adversity, or a lack of instruction. Finger counting is typically linked to dyscalculia but it is not an indication of the condition outright persistent finger counting especially for easy frequently repeated calculations may indicate a problem now the last point we're going to discuss is dyscalculia treatment and accommodations like other learning disabilities dyscalculia has no cure and cannot be treated with medication by the time most individuals are diagnosed, they have a very shaky math foundation. The goal of treatment in dyscalculia is to fill in as many gaps as possible and to teach coping mechanisms that can be used throughout life. This is typically done through special instruction, accommodations and other interventions. Dyscalculia accommodations in the classroom may include allowing more time on assignments and tests, allowing the use of calculators, adjusting the difficulty of the task, separating complicated problems into smaller steps, using posters to remind students about basic math concepts, to also provide them with number charts or counters. They'll also benefit from one-on-one -on -one tutoring to target the core foundational skills, also providing supplemental information via computer-based interactive lessons. And it is also important to note that dyscalculia affects more than just the child's ability to handle math class and homework. Math skills and concepts are used everywhere, from the kitchen to the playground to the workplace. It's understandable to be concerned about the long-term impact of dyscalculia. But once a person's weaknesses have been identified, one can find ways to work around them by building on the strengths that they have. Here are some everyday skills and activities that a child might find difficult. A child with dyscalculia might find difficult. So social skills. A child failing repeatedly in math class can lead to the child assuming that failure is in inevitable in other areas of their life too. This can lead to low self-esteem that can also affect the child's willingness to make new friends or participate in after-school activities. The child might also avoid playing games and sports that involve math and keeping the score. Their sense of direction. A child might have trouble learning left from right and he may have trouble getting to places by reading maps or following directions. Some children with dyscalculia cannot picture things in their minds. The, the child may have trouble imagining how a building or other three-dimensional objects would look if it was viewed from another angle. This will also cause them difficulties with direction and at an older age this will result in issues in driving. 
physical coordination. Dyscalculia can also affect how the brain and the eyes work together. So a child may have trouble judging distances between objects. And this child may seem clumsier than other kids the same age. They'll also have huge problems with money management. Uh, Dyscalculia can make it difficult to stick to a budget and to estimate costs. It can also make it very hard to calculate a tip and to calculate the exact change. They'll also struggle with time management uh, because dyscalculia can affect the child's ability to measure quantities, which includes the units of time. The child may have trouble estimating how long a minute is or keeping track of how much time has passed. This can make it hard to stick to a schedule. Some other skills that the child might have trouble with is figuring out how much of an ingredient to use in a recipe. They might also have a hard time estimating how fast another another car is moving or how far away it is. I'm certain by now that you might have figured out that having dyscalculia or any other learning challenge comes with many frustration because it affects many of the skills that we need in life. A lot of children end up dropping out of school due to this and this can cause many other issues further on in life and in adulthood. Individuals with dyscalculia will have other strengths, whether it is artistically or in linguistics. And it is important for both children and parents to understand that there are accommodations which can be made to make their lives a little less frustrating. Like all the other episodes, I hope the end of this podcast comes with an enlightenment and encouragement to always be mindful and kind towards one another. So let's meet again on the next episode of Learning with Linda. Thank you for listening.